Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, I'm going to refer again to um, two of the top publications uh, in the world, uh, both of these very recent. Time, we're more stressed than we have ever been by far. And the interventions they give on how to fix that, in my opinion, typically are either just symptom smashers, meaning you feel better for a little bit, but it doesn't really solve anything, okay? It's only working at the symptom level. Uh, what we're talking about is working at the source level, in my opinion. And then Psychology Today got it very, very right. What really matters? Love. And this is Basically, the same thing we've been talking about since the start of New Jesus. Uh, God tells us, yeah, you live for yourself. You live, uh, seek pleasure, avoid pain. Yeah, this is going to be your life. Now, you're always going to have some stress. You're all, there is no path with no pain. But on this path, the seek pleasure, avoid pain path, there's pain without meaning, without purpose, that takes you lower as a person instead of higher as a person, okay? You do it God's way and get the spiritual right, and typically the mental and physical will always get better, and a lot of times get better completely, totally healed and gone. Okay, so this week... Um, don't pay attention right now to the pictures. I'm going to address those in a minute. But let's look at our uh, postulate for this week, our distilled essence for this week. Individual thoughts are nothing more or less than a measure of our intention. When our intention is not our own, however, these thoughts are the proof. When it is empowered 
our thoughts become an extension of it. Okay? Let me go through that one more time. Our individual thoughts, remember we've said 75% plus of our individual thoughts are negative to the point that if we had to say it out loud, we would lie about it because it would embarrass us or make us ashamed. All right? So 75% plus of individual thoughts are a measure of our intention. But wait a minute. That's not a measure of our conscious intention because none of us would ever intend that consciously, okay? That we want the negative, the 75% negative? No, no, no one wants that. Uh, they just have it and think it's normal. When our intention is not your own, meaning your unconscious is mandating it, like the National Geographic uh, study that we talked about last week, those thoughts, negative thoughts, are the proof, okay? And last week we talked about the difference in feelings and emotions. Emotions consistent with our circumstances, feelings inconsistent with our circumstances. That's what we're talking about. These thoughts come from unconscious beliefs and feelings that are negative because the memories in our unconscious are negative to the point that 50% of what we believe about our life isn't true. Well, the 50% that isn't true, what's another word for that? Well, an untruth or a lie. A lie does what? Spikes your stress, flips you into failure mode. Okay? So 50% of what we believe about our life is not true. And the unconscious always leads to the negative. That's why we have 75% negative thoughts instead of 75% positive thoughts, at least for most of us. And, and that um, Genesis 4 or 8, I'm losing it right now, but that Genesis 4 or 8 passage, that first time heart is mentioned in the, in the Bible, says the, the intention of man from his youth is toward evil, okay? It's, we're programmed that way. That's the 75% negative. So we have to consciously choose to live another way, a positive love-based way, or for the great majority of us, we will live the negative 75% negative way if we don't intentionally take control of these, uh, of our body, mind, spirit, prioritize the spiritual, heal some of those wrong memories inside us to where maybe our, uh, our, our memories, what we're getting in our head is 75% positive instead of 75% negative. Because we didn't just let it do whatever it wanted to do. We went on our search for truth and meaning didn't give up until we found it, the whole truth as best we could, committed to love in the present moment, etc., and it changes everything. Okay, so when it is empowered, meaning a heart predominantly full of love and much more positive, our thoughts become an extension of it, meaning positive thoughts possibly instead of negative. Positive brain state, positive hormones, positive actions and behaviors, feelings, thoughts, emotions, etc. Okay? So, 
that's the postulate. That's where we're going and where we're going to end up. And I'll explain these pictures in a minute. Let's review. If I can get this centered. All right. The battle's for your heart, and the battle is the Lord's, not yours. The heart controls everything, okay? But love can control the heart. And remember the, the key and string experiment, which shows us that if we get a command for our unconscious and a command for the conscious, even if it's not a moral issue, the unconscious overrides and takes control typically. All right? That's, that's that article we talked about from Scientific American and The Atlantic, what, what scientists wish we knew about our memories, which, which they said is basically there is no free will. Okay? Well, there is. But you've got to clean up a bunch of stuff, I believe, in order to get it back. And that's what I've been doing with people for 20, 25 years. But last week, if you remember, we found that there's a way to override the unconscious. And that was to add love to the first command. And when you add love to it, it changes everything. The heart has a mandate that, the number, that its number one job is to keep you physically alive unless you fully commit to love with no safety net, no strings attached, forever, no matter what, whether you get more pain, less pain, more pleasure, less pleasure, doesn't matter. I'm committed from now on as best I can to live in love in the present moment, giving up the end result to God, all right? So if that's where you are and you've cleaned up the heart a little bit with some things that we've talked about, then you can add love to whatever the situation that's being hard for you and your heart will start to shift to the positive instead of the negative. Positive brain state, chemicals, all that same stuff. All right. Um, we talked about what the spirit, soul, body, mind, heart, the distinction between those. We talked about left and right brain and what the heart is is primarily uh, what what psychology calls the subconscious, unconscious, etc. We talked about, really, this is not as complicated as it seems the way we're going through it because all you really need is Jesus. And then if you want to add something else, Jesus plus your conscience, the law written on the heart, and then if you want to add something else, make it even more simple, love. Okay, I'm choosing love in every situation, and I'm committed to it overall in my life, and I'm going to evaluate my life by those four things that we talked about that put you into a state of grace. Number one, Jesus, Lord and Savior, and you're right with Him. Okay, um, number two, my intention is only for good. Every day, every week, every situation every moment, every incident, everything that goes wrong, my intention is only for good. Number three, I'm going to do my absolute best. And number four, I'm going to help as many people as I can. That's my priority, is to invest in relationships every day. 
And that puts you, I believe biblically, into a state of grace. All right? Um, can you choose love today? A lot of people can't. They'll try to, but can't. All right? That's because your unconscious is more than a million times more powerful than your conscious mind. That's the key and string thing. It will override unless you clean it up, let God touch you, let the Holy Spirit touch you, um, use some of the interventions we've talked about, etc. Okay, that's a review of last week. All right, this week I'm calling Alien Intentions. All right. What in the heck does that mean? It means what the postulate said. When we have an intention that's not ours, our unconscious mandated it against our conscious will. All right? That's an alien intention. Okay? And anytime you sin, I believe you had an alien intention, which is, okay, I believe I should not get drunk tonight, I believe I should get drunk tonight. Two competing beliefs. And you have those about so many things in, inside you, your issues of life, all right? You have so many where there's at least two beliefs, sometimes 10 or 12, that are conflicting with each other, all right? And that's when you come up with an alien intention. You heal that stuff, make a commitment a conscious intention, commitment for love in the present moment. The unconscious mind says, oh, wait a minute, this is the one exception, and now you're in harmony, and you can do what you never could do before because now your heart's working with you toward love instead of against you toward fear. All right? Um, we've talked about your experience simulator, and the example I gave was like going to get a pizza. And I think, oh, this will be great. Hope's gone tonight, so I'm going to go get my pizza, come back, uh, and then it'll be ready right for the start of the ball game. But then I go out, the car won't start, there's traffic everywhere, it's raining, I get soaked, they don't have my pizza. I'm, you know, angry, frustrated, cursing, whatever. Well, what was the problem there? The problem wasn't that it started raining and the car wouldn't start and they didn't have my pizza and got... That's not the problem. The problem was our intention. The problem was that we were expecting, because of our experience simulator, that everything would go smooth. Well, what basis in fact did we have that everything would go smooth to go out and get the pizza? We don't. We have no way of knowing that. All right? That's why you have to give up the end result to God, who not only can control it if he decides to, but can empower us to be love-based even through the pain. Okay, so if you, if you haven't heard the Experience Simulator um, detailed discussion, go back, I, I'd encourage you to go back and, and uh, take a look at it. And, that, and your Experience Simulator is how you try it before you buy it. You imagine what it will be like, how does that feel, and then you go for it or you choose something else, all right? But based on the research, your experience simulator lies all the time. Why? Because 50% of our memories are in error, okay? And 
the unconscious naturally leans to the negative anyway, and its number one job, unless you choose love, is to keep you physically alive, which you seek pleasure, avoid pain. Okay? So the only way you get by all that stuff is a, first of all, right with Jesus and a commitment to love in the present moment regardless of the pain, pleasure, or end results. And that's giving, also giving up responsibility that we talked about a couple of weeks ago and being accountable but not responsible, which gives you freedom. Ah, I'm already saved. I've already got the golden ticket, etc. All right. Um, talking about your experience simulator and how it lies all the time, um, it's kind of like a computer virus. Actually, it, it's almost exactly like a computer virus, okay? How many of you, if you had a computer virus, which was keeping you from doing email and uh, surfing and doing YouTube and listening to music and writing letters and opening downloads and what if your computer had a virus so that you couldn't do that stuff? How long would you go without getting it fixed? Well, I've never met anyone who used their computer much at all who said they would wait a week. Everyone else is, oh, goodness gracious, I'd take it in the same day. Everything would be on hold until I get that virus taken off so I can use my computer or smartphone or whatever it is the right way, all right? Well, we will have a human hard drive virus like anger, fear, low self-worth, anxiety, whatever, and we'll go our entire adult life without getting it fixed. Partially because we think it's normal and partially because we, we don't have a clue how to fix it even if we thought it was abnormal, all right? Well, that's what we're talking about, okay? Is that there, there are ways to do that. In 1972, Richard Nixon declared war on cancer, President of the United States. At that time, cancer was the eighth leading cause of death in the United States. Uh, pretty much all of the, nation, uh, the top nations in the world joined America and said, all right, we'll declare war on cancer too, with our best scientists, our best medical doctors, our best researchers, and that's what America did as well, all right? So, 1972, and this is 2021, so that's almost 50 years, 49 years if I'm counting right, okay? And cancer in those 49 years where the greatest minds in the world are all focused on one thing to eliminate cancer from the world and it's gone from number eight to number one. Recently, the United Nations and the World Health Organization held a joint press conference, and it was a blockbuster. They said, the evidence suggests that in the next number of years, cancer is going to increase by 
0.50% to epidemic proportions. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how's that even possible? The, the, the best minds in the world doing research and the research is having results. I mean, it's good research that has good results. But in 49 years of that and making breakthroughs every year or every few years, it's not only not gotten better, it's gotten much, much, much worse from number eight to number one. And now we're staring at an epidemic not too far in the future if something doesn't change. You know, I thought about that for three years, trying to make sense of it. How is that even possible? I mean, if Mercedes makes breakthroughs in the braking system of their car and in the uh, efficiency of their car and going from gas to electric and all that, if Mercedes makes breakthroughs and files those new patents and then puts the new technology into their vehicles, their vehicles get better and better and better, right? Or Toyota or Lexus or Nissan or Chevrolet or whoever it is, all right? You make those breakthroughs in technology and the product gets better and better. Well, that works universally, right? Well, universally except for this, this is the one exception that I, I can find is we've made breakthrough after breakthrough, thousands of them over 49 years, and it's gotten worse, not better, and much worse, and we're staring at a not-too-far-in-the-future epidemic that could really change the course of life on Earth. How is that possible that we've made all those breakthroughs and things get worse, not better? I could only come up with one possibility. We're looking in the wrong place. And I believe that's exactly what's happened. We're looking at the physical and the mental when we should be looking at the spiritual. You get the physical and mental right, but not the spiritual, it's not going to make much difference in your experience of life. You get the spiritual right, the mental and physical always get better and very often heal completely and take you to a whole nother level. All right? Well, needless to say, the medical researchers since 1972 have not been looking at the spiritual as the source of healing of the physical. But it is. Okay. I want to ask you here. If you're sitting there at home, have you been diagnosed with a major disease? Okay? Cancer, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's. Uh, so if you're watching this, just kind of metaphorically raise your hand. If, if you've been diagnosed with any of those things that I just mentioned or another disease. Okay? All right? Got that? Okay. Those of you who answered, if you did not raise your hand on every single one that I said, yes, I have cancer. I shouldn't have said diagnosed, by the way, because it, you can still have it and be undiagnosed. But if you didn't raise your hand on every one, you're wrong. Yes, I have cancer. Yes, I have heart disease. 
Yes, I have diabetes. Yes, I have ALS. Yes, I have... That's the only correct answer. It's not... You don't get cancer. Okay? You've got cancer. You've got the DNA and genetics inside you right now for cancer and every one of those diseases. All of us do. It's, you don't get it. It's will it ever manifest. If it never manifests, it'll never cause you any problem. How does it manifest? Dr. Bruce Lipton says there's only one way. If a cell is under stress. If a cell is not under stress, it, according to Dr. Lipton, direct quote, it is impervious to illness and disease. If it is in stress, it is on the way to illness and disease, unless something changes. All right. Um, so, last week we, we talked about this. You have an event happen in your life, comes in through your five senses, goes down into the heart, where there are positive memories, negative memories, and neutral memories. Okay? And in a microsecond, your unconscious runs whatever's happening that's a trigger through every memory you have, including unconscious ones, including ones inherited from your ancestry. All right? And if there is a red or hot or negative or fear-based memory about that thing, whatever it is, traffic, taking out the garbage, somebody looking at you funny, uh, whatever, then what comes out is fear and falsehood which manifests as anger, frustration, irritation, something, okay? On the other hand, if there aren't any negative, red, untruthful, fear-based memories about whatever's going on in your life, then you can respond in love or truth, okay? And that's sort of how it works, kind of like the computer. Whatever you type in, you're searching for is what you get back, all right? Only in this, it happens automatically without you typing, okay? Your unconscious is going to control it unless you've chosen and committed to love, which is the one exception to the mandate of always leaning to the negative. 75% of the thoughts and emotions and feelings being negative, all right? Um, that's the only exception, all right? And it's a, it's a choice by you. But it has to be a serious choice, not a, I'm going to try it and see how it works, and if it doesn't work, I'm out of here, okay? Um, I'm, I, I've been fascinated, as I've told you before, with near-death experiences because of a 14-year-old um, precious young lady that fell over and died at an event that we were having when I was in youth ministry. And her best friend had a, an experience with the 14-year-old girl after she had died, all right? And it got me thinking, searching, uh, for, to make some sense out of that. So. Why does a near-death experience work? How, how, come, how come over 90% of people who have a near-death experience have a rebirth? It's like 
instantly the red or, or a lot of the red or most of the red is eliminated and replaced with positive or at least neutral. How, why does that happen? Okay, in a way that if we're trying to change these things, we usually can't change them. Okay, um, I believe it's two things. People who have had a near-death experience have knowledge that they did not have before. What's the knowledge? They've been to the other side. They've seen it. Okay? And number two, they have an experience that they haven't had before, which is the light and the love. You know, walk into the light, come to the light. I'm in a tunnel of light, all right? So they have knowledge of the other side instead of just wondering if there's anything beyond this. And they've experienced the light and love of God, I believe, in a very deep experiential way, and it changes them. Okay? Um, maybe one in a hundred, maybe one in a thousand people do this naturally. Um, they believe a hundred percent. They have almost no doubt about heaven and the afterlife. Okay? And they've experienced the light and love of God without having to be near death physically in order to do it. My grandmother was one of these one in a hundred or one in a thousand. But for the great majority of us, including me, including my wife Hope, we don't live that way naturally. We live this way, and sometimes fear and falsehood, 75% of the time, 25% or less of the time, we are able to kind of force ourselves to love truth and the positive. But if we just relax and let it happen as it happens, most of us will get the 75% fear and falsehood rather than 75% love and truth. Okay? And we need to reverse that if you're going to live your best life or close to it. Okay? So, I don't want you to go out there and do something that's going to put your life in danger, your physical life in danger. Don't do that. That's not the point of this. It has nothing to do with it. Alright? In fact, I've got a process where you can sort of do that without the physical danger. I'll tell you about that later. But what all of us can do is understand these principles that we're talking about and prioritize the spiritual and have be right with Jesus, the four steps to state of grace, be right with Jesus, intention only for good, do my absolute best, and help as many as I can invest in relationships every day. Okay? Uh, and if we do that, I believe there's always the chance that God is just going to touch you and heal. Okay? And that's always what I pray for first and what I want and what I most desire. But if God chooses not to do that, then we're free from... It's, from Scripture to use what God has put into nature 
in order to help us clear this stuff out, okay? Genesis, God made everything and declared it was very good. That's a direct quote, Genesis. God made everything and declared that it was good. Another scripture, if you use what God has made for a good purpose and give God credit, thankfulness, you sanctify it. Okay? Which means you make it clean. Alright? So, God has put into nature things that will change these things. Okay? And, and that's exciting because, because you can't brush your teeth with a lug wrench. You can't change your tire with a toothbrush. You have to have the right tool for the right job. Now, if God just touches you and heals it, you don't. That's great, and that's what I would go for first. But if God doesn't do that, then we still do what he says in nature. All right, everything you made is good, and if I use it for good, and healing is good, and give you credit and thankfulness, then I sanctify it. So I can do that in obedience, because God made these things for us, all right, and start to manually clear out my heart, my unconscious, uh, the 75% negative, etc. Okay, um, a couple years ago on 60 Minutes, number one news show in the world, bar none, they had as a special guest Dr. Irving Kirsch, who's a medical doctor at Harvard Medical School. Okay. And Dr. Kirsch dropped a bomb on the entire world when he walked out on the stage of 60 Minutes and said, antidepressants don't work. And then he went on to say, and the drugs for all these other health problems. And he started naming them off. These don't work either. He was being interviewed by Leslie Stahl, and Leslie Stahl said, okay, uh, what do you mean these things don't work? I mean, they're FDA approved. They're... And Dr. Kurse shared what he had done to prove that. He had gone to the pharmaceutical companies that made the drugs, and you may or may not know this, um, a pharmaceutical company does not have to submit all of their drug tests or FDA approval. To an extent, they can pick and choose which trials to send in and which trials to hold back. Well, what, what trials do you think they're going to hold back? The ones that say it don't work, okay? Well, Dr. Kirsch went to the pharmaceutical companies, looked at all of the data for the drugs, and the determination was they did not outperform placebo. They did not work. In fact, some of them, placebo worked better than the drug. Okay? So, and then uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, I wanted to mention as well. Uh, wonderful medical doctor who's written some great books and done some great research. And he stated that every thought you have changes your internal chemistry, hormones, and states. Okay, every thought. And remember, 75% of those 
are to the negative at least. For some people, it's way more than 75%, 90-95%. But every one of those changes your physiology, your thoughts, your emotions, etc. Okay? So, take a look. You've heard me talk uh, in, in, in New Jesus earlier about the genie question. What do you want right now more than anything else? And I've asked that question more than I've done anything else professionally. I've been asking that question as I go and teach and lecture for over 30 years. Okay? Uh, I've done it with one person. I've done it with a small group. I've done it with thousands. And they would write their answer, pass them in, they'd collate the answers backstage and then bring me the results on a little piece of paper, all right? And what I can tell you is that 99% of people answer the genie question wrong. And the genie question is, what do you want right now more than anything else? Well, how could their answer be wrong if they're being honest about what they want? Because their answer shows that they'll never get what they want. All right? 99% of people answer that genie question with a physical or external circumstance. Money. A health problem to go away. Someone else to do something or stop doing something. To win the lottery. To, you know, physical external circumstances. That's how 99% of people answer that question. All right? Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it is... is that that is not what they really want most. They're being tricked, okay? So, if you remember, there's two more questions. What do you want most? If you got it, what would that do for you? And number three, if you got it, how would you feel? What you really want most is the answer to question number three, not the answer to question number one, which is how you feel, okay? That's what we all, want most that internal state that internal those internal feelings emotions thoughts body sensations everything of love joy peace and worth significance and security that's what we all want most but we've been tricked into believing that the only way we can have that is if we get a million dollars or a new car or a new house or the health problem to go away, that, that the external circumstances will purchase for us the inward state. Guess what? That never happens. Never. It's never happened. Not one time. And it never will. The inward state is the source not the external circumstances. Professor William Tiller told me over breakfast um, years ago, the unseen is always the parent of the seen, never the other way around. So internal love, joy, and peace will always produce better health. You'll probably make more money because you'll do a better job. You'll have relationships because that's where you're invested. Uh, you'll give up the end result so that the stress goes away and you can live in the present in love. Not perfect, but better and better as you go on. All right? That's how it works. 
okay? So that's one of the first steps is you've got to quit being deceived into thinking what you want in life you'll get through your physical or external circumstances. You won't. It's a lie. You can only get what you want most from the internal circumstances, the issues of the heart. Okay? And that's what the key and string demonstrates. That's what our revelation last week with the key and string, that if you add love to the first command, it will override that negativeness of the unconscious because love is the one thing that the unconscious releases the safety mechanisms based on. And what are the safety mechanisms? Fear, anxiety, anger, insignificance, insecurity, depression, worry. Okay? So, how about you? Are you living your life thinking, if I get certain physical or external circumstances, I'll be happier, healthier, that's what I want, that'll get me what I want in life? If you are, you're being tricked because none of that is the truth. Or are you focusing on the third question in the genie sequence? How would you feel? And so you're focused on the spiritual, the inward state, the heart, etc. Okay? That wh wherever you're focused, whatever your intention is for physical or external circumstances or love and the heart will determine what direction you go and, and, and where you end up. Okay? And I believe with all my heart, I think this is what's happened to me. That even without a near-death experience, you can have a rebirth. And that's what scripture says. Behold, I make all things new. The old has passed away. The new has come. Rebirth. Baptism. Buried with him in his death. Raised to walk in a new life. Rebirth. Okay? So, we ask God to just do that automatically, touch me. But we are also free, I believe, because God made everything, made it good. And when we use it His way, we sanctify it, which is the way I'm recommending you to use it always. All right? Every intervention we've talked about, use it knowing that it only works because God has made it so. And as I use it, I'm giving thanks to you credit to you, and that sanctifies it. Okay. All right, so that's where we are. And, and the more you heal these things, the red, negative, fear-based memories, the farther and farther to the positive your internal energy goes from minus 10 to plus 10. And wherever that goes, both overall and for a particular issue, determines your experience. All right? So let me get rid of this and go back to the uh, backdrop. This is an experiment I did a number of years ago. Harry helped me with it. And there's actually three more pictures 
but they wouldn't all fit here and allow me to get everything else on. So this is the last picture. But what I did, I took, um, I bought a dozen roses because I love my wife Hope so much and because I wanted to do this experiment. I gave her 10 of them and the two that were most alike, I cut right below the stem, okay? And these were from the same grower, picked on the same day, and they looked almost identical when, when I started this, all right? And then what, the first picture was after 24 hours, the second picture 48 hours, this is the last picture seven days, okay? Here's what I did. I took the two roses, uh, cut them off at the stem, put each of them in a glass of clean water. I took one glass and I focused on the worst thing that's ever happened to me, my most painful memory. And I held that glass in my hand while I really went back and lived again as best I could, as if I were right back there and it happening again, the most painful thing that had ever happened in my life. I did that for 60 seconds, and then I put the rose down and never touched it again. I took the other glass of the rose, held it, and thought about the happiest, most wonderful, loving memory of my life, and really tried to experience it again very intensely, for 60 seconds, put it down, never touched it again. This was the negative memory rose, this was the positive memory rose. The positive memory rose, you know how when you buy uh, roses these days, they come with flower food? Well, Hope put the tin in a vase with the flower food, which makes them last longer, right? This rose looked way better. This is seven days later. Look at that. This rose looked way better than the roses with flower food. The first time I ever showed this in public, someone yelled out from the audience, the one on the left looks like it has cancer. And it does. It has big black blotches on it and it's slimy. I've never seen a rose like that. Well, what's my point? My point, ladies and gentlemen, is that 60 seconds did this. 60 seconds. <laughs> When's the last day you had where you did not think of something negative for at least 60 seconds? My guess is you've never lived that day. Okay? Well, this is what 60 seconds can do. You know, what's amazing to me is not that... Um, we're not finding the answers that, that 49 years later, we've gone from number eight to number one, even though we've made breakthroughs. That didn't surprise me because 75% of those thoughts, emotions, feelings tend to be negative, all right? And the, and, the, and the unconscious heart always leans to the negative unless we've committed to God and love, all right? So what amazes me is we're not sicker than we are because this is 60 seconds. Okay, here's the question. Which of these do you want for the rest of your life? 
Which of these do you want for your children? For your mom or dad, brothers, sisters, best friend? Well, this, of course. Well, the only way to get this is to change this and heal the heart. Okay? And you can't just expect it to heal on its own because it almost never does. Uh, this was not me. This is uh, a guy named Dr. Emoto, I believe from Japan, and he did wonderful research. He would uh, take a glass. He would take a, a glass of water and maybe speak into it. Literally, now, I know this sounds hokey, but it's the truth. Check it out for yourself, Dr. Emoto. Hit the hidden messages of water. All right. He would speak like anger or hatred into the water. Or love, joy, peace into the water. And that's all he would do. Then he would freeze the water, slice off a little section, and put it under a microscope. Alright? The words hate, anger, criticism created this from the water molecule. This is the water molecule after the words hate, anger, and criticism. This is the water molecule after words of love and encouragement. Is that unbelievable or what? Okay, so this stuff that God says in here about guarding your heart, for from it flows all the issues of life and uh, living in love and, and 365 times, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. He's not saying those things to give us hoops to jump through that make our life hard. He's saying those things because they're instructions on how we work right. Okay? If we're working like this, we're going to malfunction. Okay? If we're working like this, we're going to function correctly the way we're supposed to. Which means illness and disease getting better or healing completely. Identity, worse, significance, security, and, and none of my sin stuff maybe has changed, and none of my circumstances has changed. So what's changed? My heart's changed. And now all of a sudden, I'm able to live in truth, in love, joy, peace, instead of fear, falsehood, because we've healed or God has touched these places and now we've been reborn and we can do what we could never do before. We'll never do it perfectly this side of heaven but this can take you to your best life possible or as close to it as you can get. Okay, so to me the Alien Intentions, the title for this week is kind of a next step from the key and string where these negative things are going to override your conscious intention every time because the unconscious is a million times more powerful than your conscious unless you commit to love, which is what Harry did, which changed the key and string outcome for the first time in over 30 years. Why? Because he added love to the conscious intention.
And that's the secret. But, are you in a place in your life where you can choose love? Or are you not able to? If you're not able to, either God has to touch you or you need to get to work with some of the other mechanisms we've talked about, and I'll review those again at another time, to heal these and set your intention for Jesus and love. My intention is for, not, is for good only. I'm going to do my absolute best, and I'm going to help as many as I can. I'm going to invest in relationships every day, Focus on the present moment and love as best I can. Give the end results, whether painful or pleasurable, up to God. But be careful, because you may be in a place right now where you almost literally can't choose that. You're so full of junk. The 50% of what you believe is not true, and 75% of your thoughts are negative, and you have a secret you'll never tell a living soul because of embarrassment or shame. You may be so full of junk, and also passed down from your ancestry, that you almost literally can't choose, even if you try. And that was Hope's case for a long time. She would, she would, uh, re she read a library of books, and she would get finished with the book, and I would hear a scream and a thud where the book hit the wall on the far wall. I'd go in to make sure everything's okay, and Hope would say, is this guy or gal who wrote the book an idiot? Do they think I haven't tried thinking positive thoughts instead of negative thoughts? Do they really think that? I've tried hundreds of times. I can't do it. Well, Fortunately, you don't have to do it. You're not supposed to do it. You're supposed to choose God. Commit to Him. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Wait on the Lord and exchange your strength for His. And then His strength, he cha you're changed and you have now strength for the positive where you didn't before. But it's not yours, it's His. Okay, so I hope you're convinced at the end of today that if your life is going to get better, it's got to get better here. You have to start prioritizing the spiritual over everything. So let me ask you one last question that I'm going to leave you with, and, um, and then we'll talk next week. When we were talking about people with near-death experience who have been changed for the positive over 90% of the time, and they have knowledge they didn't have before that of what they've been to the other side, they've stepped over that line, and they've had an experience they've never had before, which was experiencing the light and love of God that changes them. How does it change them? In my experience, and I've worked with a bunch of these folks who've had near-death experiences, and I did a thesis on it, extensive research, it appears that after a near-death experience that is positive, which is about 9 out of 10 of them in its result, 
the person no longer has the fear of death. And all fear is the fear of death, ultimately. And from the fear of death comes every negative thing you can name. Anger, sadness, worry, low self-worth, unforgiveness, rejection. All of those things come from a root of fear. So if you take away the fear, remember uh, how we've talked so much about there are these two things, a belief and commitment to love and a fear of death. And as one goes up, the other goes down. As the other one goes up, the other one goes down. Or they can be, you know, sometimes fear, sometimes not fear. All right? But when the fear of death goes down, belief and commitment and ability to choose love, joy, peace in the present moment, giving up the end result, skyrockets. Because the fear's gone. The fear was the thing battling against you doing what you felt like was best. Right? And, and I believe when Paul in Romans 7 says, what I do is not what I want to do, but it's what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do, and I do this over and over and over again, I believe, my opinion, is that it was fear in Paul related to his flesh that was creating that. And it's what creates it in me when I do things sinful or just that are not in my best or my family's or others' best interest, okay? When I do that, it's fear too. Fear of what? Fear that I'm not going to get the pleasure that I want so much. Fear that I'm going to have the pain that I don't want. Fear that I'm not going to be able to be independent and do what I want when I want, but I'll live doing what other people want. That's the fear. When that fear is gone, now I can choose love. I can choose the present moment. I can choose to have your back in a good way, etc. So that's the difference. The near-death experience, when the result is positive, takes away the fear. Well, you maybe can't, again, engineer a near-death experience, and we don't want you to do that, but you can heal the heart or have God touch you and heal the heart so that the fear either goes down or away, and now you can choose love in the present moment, etc. So, you want to keep living the same way? You want to keep living this? and keep living this, I mean, maybe not completely, but even if you're 30% this, how big a difference would it make in your life if that went down to 10% instead of 30%? But what the research says is this is at least 50%, and in a lot of cases, 75%. Okay, well, how much difference would it make if you went from 75% to 10%? And 90% this, it's life-changing. And that's why I'm doing this. That's what I believe God wants for you. That is choosing Him. That is choosing love. Okay? So let's join hands and walk on the high road together. How about it?